Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses, and I'll be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in learning more about a line of credit for your business, please visit fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 plus years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience, and today I'm very ex- excited to be speaking with Yvonne um, Hyman from Ask Evie. In today's, uh, uh, but before we get to that, uh, today's sponsor is uh, Technology Management Group (TMG), um, and they're uh, for the last 30 years they've been involved in cybersecurity, and cybersecurity is a service uh, there. Uh, you know, anybody who's had, if you haven't had an issue with cybersecurity yet, you better consider yourself incredibly lucky. Um, I know years and years and years ago, we had a major issue in my own company and we're just lucky that we had backups. But uh, if you have a question, if you think you need a better solution, you know, uh, if that you think you might need software, check with them. You can reach them at cybercTRL.net. Again, that's cybercTRL.net. And I'd like to welcome uh, Yvonne to the podcast. Yvonne uh, Hyman is the CEO and founder of Ask Evie. That's A-S-K-Y-V-I.com and the leading ClickUp Evangelist, as well as a passionate business efficiency and scalability consultant, mindset coach, NLP master practitioner, and a speaker. Using her knowledge of over 15 years running multiple businesses, she helps her clients organize, strengthen, and streamline their businesses into profitability and success. Yvonne, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. I'm excited to be here. You know, I I like this topic a lot that we're going to be talking about, which is building businesses that support your lifestyle and dreams. I think most people, when they get involved in starting their own businesses, they think really, really big, right? They think, uh, I you know, I want to create this really huge company, and and then you know, once they get involved with it, they realize that that may not be the reality of the situation. You're not maybe not going to build a hundred million dollar company, but yet you can build a, you have to what? You don't have to build that that big business. It's like, I think we've all been there at some point where it's like, Ooh, I want that and that. And then suddenly you realize the price you are paying for that. And you don't really need all of this fancy glamour to have the life you want. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I think what happens too is, uh, my opinion is that uh, that the businesses or business that you build, there are sometimes opportunities that present themselves that allow you to get bigger, mm-hmm. right? And then sometimes the business that you chose 
it doesn't have that scalability, scalability, and you just and you, you just can't pivot it. You know, there's there's not a pivot there. To, you know, a change that can happen that makes you have the ability to get it super super big, and then you're there and you're like, you know what? I kind of like it. <laughs> it's good. It makes me money, right? So I have quality of life businesses. That's what I have. Because right? it's like when when you scale to a certain level, now you either way need to manage a lot of systems and processes or a lot of people yes. or both. So you are constantly having to grow yourself, which means, don't get me wrong, business can get boring once you got the systems in place and you are making the money you want to and you are doing all the things you want to do. Business can become boring. And I have seen people get themselves into trouble simply because business is not that exciting anymore. It's not the ego polish. It's not the, oh, we are scaling to a multi-million dollar business. It just works. It pays the bills. It lets you travel. It lets you put money into your savings account. It lets you do all the things you want to do. And once that is built right, a business becomes boring. So that's where I see many uh, either way going crazy and actually getting their own business into trouble just because they couldn't manage the boring or some that do it right that realize boring businesses actually are good because it means you optimize them you got the right team in place things just work and they find their excitement somewhere else i completely agree and i you know i had a mentor for 20 years and he really really smart man and he said uh a bored business owner is makes huge mistakes and because you are like, you want more of a rush. And I, 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 I personally have had experience with that. And one of the things I, you know, we're going to move on, but uh, to something else, but one thing I would suggest is if you are in that situation, um, shorten the amount of hours you work and find some other interests as well. Play you with some new offers or get the dopamine rush in your personal life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just don't screw up the thing that works. Yeah. No, I agree. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean you can't look for other opportunities too. And just be careful that you vent it out like you, because uh, I've done that a number of occasions, occasions where I had businesses that were, were running really well. And then I, I, I kind of looked for other businesses too that might complement that business. And it wasn't because of boredom, it was because I had free time, yeah. right? Which is what every business owner wants. They, you, you want to be able to work on what you like to do. Right. And that's the, that's the, I remember I would say to my, my, my mentor, I'd say is, oh man, I'm so bored. I, you know, I, I don't have to work a lot of hours. And he's like, are you crazy? That's exactly what you want. Right. And it's like what, what I do with my clients in that moment of when they hit that boredom, we refer back to their values. And I'm not talking about your business values and your mission that you decide on. I'm actually talking about your subconscious values, um, meaning there's a process where I can tickle out of my clients what really triggers their decision, what makes them happy in their business, what, what triggers that feeling of this is just not right. 
And often enough, what I have seen with my clients is a combination of that feeling and safety in those values while also just wanting to have fun, wanting to provide a value. So when my clients get to the point in their scaling phase of, I have too much time, <laughs> what? And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Now we are working on a, a mindset issue that we have to address right away or chances are you're going to screw up your business. So what did we, uh, how did we elicit your values? What did we find out? What are your five top values? There's your safety. Your safety means your growing business is bringing in money, is putting time in your pocket that you can spend with your friends, with your family, go travel, whatever you want to do. So when you get to a point of, oh my God, my business is boring. I want to do something. Refer back to that value, please. Be, be for yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, let's face it. Being a business owner is, you know, um, the word is autodidactic that I've used before. It's self-taught. You have to you know, and the thing about having a business is you 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 are often having to um, to re-energize. You are often having to reset goals, and then you know the the fact of the matter is is, and I've said this in a lot of podcasts before. Um, th those are listeners who have listened to my podcast over and over. The, the, you know, there's certain themes that I always come across that I always say a lot, and one of them is, you know, the. Ex Everybody, the exciting part that most people think about business is coming up with the idea and then, you know, and then doing it, right? The, um, the, the, in the early stages. That's what everyone sees, but the excitement. And that's what most entrepreneurs get really stoked on, right? But really the unsexy part of the business that really is, and it gets me excited the most it's a incredibly well-run business, you know, where you have processes and procedures and you have good employees and, and you have happy customers and you're making really good money and you're not in debt. And, you know, you, you know, those, that is sexy to me. Now, um, the, uh, where a lot of people run into the issue, you describe the personality type of an entrepreneur, of a CEO perfectly, where it's like, we are the idea people. We are the, I see an issue, let's fix it. However, what I often see is, me included, we are falling short with the last bit of the nitty gritty. We start something, we prove it, it's working good, but it needs to be polished up. Yep. And that's where an implementer is amazing. That helps people like me and a lot of other entrepreneurs and CEOs to stay on track. I get to have the big ideas. I get to play around. I, I get to start that process. Mm -hmm. And then I have somebody that is finishing this up, the nitty gritty. I'm like, in my case specifically, ClickUp builds. I love jumping on with my clients when we are building out their ClickUp and get the processes out of them and the workflows when they think they only have chaos. And I'm like, no, you actually do have a system. Take all that out of them. Figure out what that big picture is. Start the implementation and be like, 
here you go, my lovely implementer. Go finish it up. Change the colors, change yeah. the naming, do 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 the little nitty-gritty things where I get to play and somebody else that loves that, that detailed nitty-gritty and setup and, and polishing and all the things, and I don't have to. Yeah, I um I don't know what clip up me clip up build means. What does that mean? Uh so ClickUp is a project management tool like Asana Monday. Oh. And what we do is that is one piece of how I work with my clients is helping them use ClickUp to the best of its features and capabilities of how they run their business and customize hmm. that and make okay. that so it's almost like an accountability, so to speak, that your role is accountability or no? My role with clients is a lot. Um, it is accountability of really getting those processes, workflows laid out and implemented and rolled out to the team and the team hold accountable to it because no system or process works if the team is not on board. That that human factor is always the biggest struggle. Um, as well as keeping the CEO on target, aligning the CEO's values with the company's values, aligning the team with the company's values, because that means when you're aligning the team values, so you have personal values. There's certain things that you as a person need and want to feel appreciated, to feel productive, to do the thing, now, if I take those values, elicit them from you and take those values and show you how those align with the business, first of all, it allows me to place people in the right position. So often people are put in the wrong positions. Oh yeah, I know how to do that. Yeah, but your values and your personality type is actually not good for that position. You are way better over there. And now suddenly they're excited to come back and to work. They are more productive. They are less burned out. And they are producing better work than they did before. So that's a long way of explaining. We are not just doing process and workflow efficiency. We are also doing that human efficiency of really aligning team members as well as the CEO with the company goal and really make sure everything is aligned and everybody's having fun doing what they want to do. Yeah. And I'll echo what you're saying too. And even on another level, when I went from my second company to my third company, I, I, I still had the second company going, but when I started this third company I had had, I, I said to myself, I wasn't happy with the people I had hired at my second company. And I said, I really, my third company, I really want to understand and work with people that I really like. And, and so I really dove into, um, you know, the whole interviewing process. I, I, I dove into, uh, making sure I had great job descriptions and measurements. And it was called the position results document. I took, this is old school, took a Dale Carnegie class uh, on, on management. And, uh, anyway, and I read a lot of books on it too. And so I, what I did was I went to hire um, people for that third company. Um, one of my main criteria was, I want them to care as much about getting great results as I do because that was my core value. I'm a very driven person. I, I like to be really 
good at what I do. And, and I like building companies that are really good at, at what they do. And I wanted people to have that same enthusiasm. And the difference between the people that I hired at the second company versus the third company was day and night. And, and so I'm trying to illustrate what you're saying, Yvonne, about um, knowing what your values are. Um, because this was a big difference. And that team for the third company was unbelievable. Yeah, as a as a CEO, once you understand your team, because it doesn't even just come down to the being as driven, that is your main value. Completely get it. To me, it's a communication. No matter mm. what happens, you need to communicate with me, period. We can't fix it if I don't know. Um, but there is a lot of values underneath that where it's also personality traits, And the example I always love to use is language is not black and white. That is one of the biggest lessons I have learned as an immigrant. When I say red, chances are the shade of red you are thinking about is different than what I'm thinking about. And the same way people are activated and motivated differently. So we go as far as, yes, we have our standard values for each position ready, but every team member runs through a couple of personality tests. And I'm actually not even just going on the DISC test where, okay, what are you? Are you a quick starter? Are you more of an implementer? That's great. I go as far as running the human design chart of how subconsciously are people working? How they often enough, my team, when they start working out with me, they're like, I, I don't know. This is just a thing where I'm like, oh, it, 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 they're just being blocked from doing something or afraid to go on camera or little things like that where they cannot explain why. So I put myself into a position where I have as many data points as possible about their values and personality to be able to support them to understand themselves better and get past those blocks they might have. Fair enough. Yeah. So let's bring it back to the topic. And that is, um, you know, building businesses that support your lifestyle and dreams. So tell me a little bit about your experience as a coach and, you know, and I know as your own, you know, that you had your own businesses. Um, Tell me what you learned about those type of businesses. We already talked about that they are, <clears throat> that they tend to enter boring simply because we want that dopamine. But it also means you are suddenly having brain power. So not even to the point of, oh, we are making $10,000 million every single day. It gives you the freedom of having an open mind, meaning now suddenly you can be the creative, you can open up the second business, you can go play around. Um, when I see clients come to me, they come to me in a situation of, oh my God, Evie, I am fully booked out. I don't know how to do it. And I'm like, cool, that's a great problem to have. And then followed by, and I don't have time, to get standard operating procedures. <laughs> I don't have time to do processes. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but you're going to have to make the time or I'm going to visit you with a burnout in the hospital. 
So finding finding that balance sometimes can be difficult in that initial scaling phase, in that first scaling phase of when the client said the, oh my God, I have too much to do. I don't know how to do it all. It's a big mindset shift to going from reactive to proactive. A lot of my clients started out their business because they were done being somebody's worker bee. They wanted the freedom. They wanted to have the choice. And I'm like, and now you put yourself into a position where you have a job that pays you less and you're working more hours. So how about we turn this into a business rather than just another job? Yeah. And really having to work through this change from being reactive, cool, clients are coming in the door, I do the work, I do all the things, to being proactive of actually planning, of actually taking a pen and paper and literally just writing down what you do. It doesn't need a structure. It doesn't need anything. But you need to get those processes and workflows out as well as starting to learn to hand things off. I'm the only I'm the only one who can do that. That's not perfect. I need to fix that. It doesn't need to be perfect. You're the only one who thinks that way is the right way and the only way. So, letting go really letting go of our baby for that matter. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, you've said a lot in there that I could add to as well. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think you know, one of the things that caught my attention when you were saying that is, do you have a, you know, you should ask yourself this, do you have a company or do you have a job? Yep. Right? Now, what what I mean by that is, can you go away for two weeks and the business runs on its own? That's a company. Okay? If you can't go away because the shit hits the fan when you're there and you have to do things and you have a job. And, you know, I listen. And the other thing that you said, which is so true, I see it all the time. I know a lot of business owners and they can't let go. And, um, they, their company will not ever get that. It'll never get big, bigger. You don't ever get over 3 million or it depends on the industry. You never get over 3 million. So the, you know, the whole purpose of this podcast is to help you get over 10 million. And there's a reason for that. There's two things. Number one is that 10 million is when other companies are interested in buying you. Yep. That's number one. Number two is at 10 million, you have to have built processes and procedures and have people working for you. And you have a real company that's, working for you and you don't have a job. You know, that does happen at a lower level, but 10 million is, is really a, a, a big benchmark, as I say in the intro here. Would you, would you agree with that? Completely, completely. Um, and with me working a lot with coaches and consultants, it's this, they think they're the only ones who know. I am the only one who has the perfect solution. I'm like, no, you don't. And even, even as somebody that is a coach or consultant that does teach, there is so many ways of, for example, 
grabbing your IP and turning it into a certification, turning it into a group coaching program. Start teaching other coaches and consultants what you have built and now suddenly taking two weeks off, taking four weeks off, six weeks, see ya. Um, But it's been interesting to me to specifically in that niche see how so many coaches and consultants don't see that, even though a handful out there have built it. So we do have the example. It's not a crazy new idea. Yet I still see so many in that coach and consultant niche where it's like, I have to be the one. I have to be there. I'm like, no, you don't. Turn it into an educational company. Take all the things you've learned, all the things you've created, and turn it into a certification. It's really not that difficult. But it shows how often when we are in it, when we are in our business, we just have the blinders on. You just don't see past your everyday. And that comes back around to the, okay, we need to get you out of the being reactive and being the proactive. And when you are getting proactive and you are putting your processes and work uh, flows in place, you have your standard operating procedures, you have your team, now you suddenly have more time to actually step out of your business and look at it as a big picture and, and do one of my exercises where I'm like, okay, we are future prognosing. You are getting 50 times the clients that you have right now. What breaks? Hmm. I love doing this exercise. Good question. Like, yeah. You have half the team. You have triple, quadruple, 50 times the amount of clients suddenly coming in. What's going to break? So this as the whole, and I call it my SOAR framework. We systemize, we optimize, we automate, we review everything, and then we rinse and repeat the whole process. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Where it gives you the pathway to step out of your business and really be able to figure out what needs to be taken care of next, what do we need to optimize, what needs to be implemented, and how can we really scale this business to be able to just have fun in life. We, yeah. we don't know if we're going to make it to retirement, let's be honest. Yeah. So why just work for retirement? Yeah, so, so go for those steps again that you mentioned, the execution steps, What just so that um, everyone's clear. Go, go through them again. So I call it the SOAR framework. It is five different steps to get you to make your business SOAR. The first one is systemize, meaning you have systems. You always have system, even if it's just the habit of how you are doing things right now. There are systems in every single business at every single level. We need to start really cleaning that up and looking at what are the systems we are taking care of? What are we systemizing? What are we organizing? Once we got that down, usually we start with a big picture systemization, then choose the first system, which is usually the client journey to work on first. So in this example, cool, we decided our first system to take care of is the client journey. How can we optimize that? Where are we losing customers? Where, where are we just not signing up? Why aren't we getting the ROI that we want to have? Why is our lead funnel dry? Do we even have a lead funnel? All of those things where we are going through one specific process to optimize them. 
We then, once we have that optimized, start automating. Because once you laid out that process visually, you can tell, ooh, look at that. We actually can uh, we actually can automate that. Data transfer and all those fun things. So we go into the op, uh, automate, automate. There comes the German back. Yeah. Automation phase of the bottleneck, the time-consuming stuff. Automate that. Then we review the process we just worked on. What worked, what didn't work, where are issues, what can we do different, what can we polish? And then we literally just rinse and repeat the whole thing from the beginning. Yeah, so I I had really gotten into uh, really great execution, uh, you know, at long, I was like really moving in that direction. I had really good, you know, two really good companies at the same time. And we were in that execution, just great execution phase. I had read a great book from a um, uh, uh, a guy. In the, uh, he's in the he's in the, he's in the Air Force, and um, you know, he's like a top gun in the Air Force. And uh, he was talking about great execution, and it exactly mirrored your process that you just talked about where it's a you know cycle and then you keep going around that cycle to you know systematize automate review and then recycle you know i forget what was the, what was the last one you you said was it recycle yeah, systemize optimize automate review and then rinse and repeat yeah rinse and repeat and um i i actually you know i said this earlier i really like that i mean i really liked making things good. You know what I used to put a lot of my attention on? I would say, I would say what I always do is say, where do I put my effort that can result in us making the most money? You know, that's where my attention goes. Right. Um, and, and to me, that's very clarifying. You know, it's, you know, it's not, it's not actually using my, uh, you know, some people would say, well, maybe, you know, I think most entrepreneurs would might, maybe might go where they enjoy the most, right? The, 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 and that's okay too. But I typically went, I'd say is what effort would I, could I put into this company that would result in us making a lot more money? You know, it's just, it, what I've noticed in the last 30 years or, or so, and I'm really being an old fart. Um, I, I don't think I am, but <laughs> that's for you to say. But, um, you know, people think about building a business because they want to solve the world's problems. Social entrepreneurship, it's called. And there's, there's, a, there's a reason for that type of business, social entrepreneurship. I, I, I get it. That's a different thing. That's money that that's not primarily motivated to make money. Okay, but you know you are not there to you know. Okay, a lot of people who own business, you're not there to create a great company for your employees because you want to help their lives. We'll get to that in a second. It's not as cut and dry. I I don't think you're there because you want to solve problems that the world is having. If you can't make money at your company, it you are not going to survive. You're not going to survive. That's what it comes down to. To me, it needs to be both. And I've seen, I've seen both. 
I've seen entrepreneurs that forget about the social aspect, that forget about the passion, that forget about their team, um, that are all just in it for the money. And I, I agree. Seen, yeah. I've seen entrepreneurs and businesses that are going way too social. And I'm like, you don't even know how to pay your rent. What the heck are you doing? And usually by the time they reach me, they have found a pretty good balance and just need some polishing. And what we often do, because I work with a lot of passion-driven entrepreneurs, um, we do care about philanthropy. We do care about our team and all the things. And that's where I need to reel in my clients where it's like, dude, you are going way too much fun right now. We need to take care of business where we often enough either way have a specific budget. If it's money budget or if it's a time budget where it's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. This specific budget is for you to run the business and make it as profitable as it can be. I don't care if you like the task you need to do. I don't, whatever it is, this is what needs to be taken care of. And here is your time or money budget you get to do for philanthropy, for your team, for just having fun, for team retreats, donating money, whatever it is. And we literally just put it in the box so that they, just like we are tracking our business, have a specific number they can go by. If that's an hour or a an amount number, a money number, doesn't matter. But just like we are checking in with our business and have our goals and have specific numbers, we do the same thing on how we approach the whole business versus social and actually bringing money in versus having fun with the team or philanthropy. Or yeah, I, I don't think they have to be at odds with each other. I think if you treat your employees really, really well and you have great systems and processes in place to help them and, um, and you know, I think it translates into the company doing very, very, very well. So they're, they're, they work together. And if, yes, I, I completely understand that if you have a, a company mission that's larger than just making money, that that multiplies the amount of effort, uh, not effort, it multiplies the uh, persuasion that your company will have uh, with your clients, with your employees, uh, with everybody. So I, you know, I, I kind of get it. Um, and I just think that, um, you know, uh, I think that money is, uh, is being undervalued in the importance of running a business. Um, I also, but I'll say this too, Yvonne, um, you know, 20 years ago, I, I had a, a coach, a business coach. And that was, well, at the time, nobody had business coaches, right? Now, there's a lot of them out there. And I brought a business coach on because I, w I didn't have any partners then. I have, I have a partner now, which is great, but he's a great partner, okay? But, um, but 20 years ago, I, I felt I needed somebody for two reasons, a coach. One is I needed somebody to... I could talk to who, you know, wasn't my wife. Um, cause I typically don't bring work home, uh, uh, which I think is a really was, is very unique and a good idea. 
uh, for, for your marriage. And number two, um, I needed someone to hold me accountable and see things from the outside. Yep. Right. So, you know, Yvonne, I think, I think nowadays having a coach, as long as you pick the right one is a no brainer is a no brainer. And you should definitely interview my opinion, three coaches before you select one. Yeah. Before you select the right one. And, uh, so, um, you know, you know, uh, what would you add to what I just said? I would take that back to also, again, values. Values is one major deciding factor for me in pretty much anything and everything. So when I go out there to to hire a coach, I stalk them. I literally stalk them and no hiding here where it's like I go through their social media. I'm trying to get a feel of them. What do they care about? Who are they surrounded with? Um the five people that surround you closest is a makeup of who you are going to be. So I'm going to make sure that I'm placing myself into a situation where I'm not stepping back or where things simply don't align. So really doing that research. And honestly, when I upgrade my coaches, I don't just interview three. I go anywhere from five to 10. Yeah. Um, to to really get the feel of it, interview with them, talk with them. Um, one of the main things I always do is I do not make a decision on the spot simply because I know myself. I get excited and I overlook things that 24 hours later I'm like, nah, I'm not so sure about. So I always give myself 24 to 48 hours and trust my gut. Once I'm on a call, I have done the pro-con list. There is a reason why I'm with them on the call. I've done all my research. I've done all the things I could do. By the time I'm on the call and I gave myself those 24 to 48 hours, at that point, I really just trust my gut. Because everybody else that wouldn't be aligning with me as a person is already sorted out. Yeah. Well, it was all good stuff. I knew it was going to be a good podcast. I think it was. Unfortunately, we've kind of run out of time. I'd like to thank so much, Yvonne Hyman from Ask uh, Evie for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And please also, if you like today's podcast or any of the other ones, give us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out. And if, of course, you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Yvonne, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? I am pretty much attached to my phone. I'm one of those crazy people. So the easiest Hmm. way to get in touch with me on your platform of choice is really going to askev.com. That's A-S-K-Y-V-I.com. Find the social links on the top. And yes, it's me in the DMs. So just send me a message. Great. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. So my takeaway from our conversation today, it, it did go back to what we're saying. Again, we were talking about businesses, building businesses to support your lifestyle and dreams. I think the big takeaway that everybody should think about today is, do you have a job or do you have a company? And if you have a job, you got to work on that. 
you got to work on, you know, being able to go away for two weeks and the company runs on its own and that should be your goal. And I also would bring Yvonne on as a coach or at least interview her as one of the five that, so that you're going to interview. Um, I thought what she said today had a lot of uh, good stuff to it. So other than that, I wish everybody a great day. It's summer right now and hopefully everybody's getting out there and, and enjoying the weather a little bit. Uh, just remember, uh, or is not a spectrum.